SpongeBob, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the Square Turtle, its 420 nanosecond mission to explore strange new abodes, to tickle out new parrots, and new slow lorises, to slowly go where no train station has gone before. That was like a bizarre combination of Star Trek and Star Wars. That was the best of all both worlds. I mean, I guess we were just trying to avoid getting like a copyright strike or something. Is that the one where Gandalf walks a lot? No, you're 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 thinking the one of the one where uh, Harry, uh, you know, creates world peace. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he's a horrible father. Sure. Okay. Sure. Is that the yeah. one with the little wizard boy? <laughs> no, the unit of power. He's a what? <laughs> okay. So as you might have guessed, um, sort of. We kind of got off topic a little bit already, but um, that's not as part of uh, Star Wars Day. We decided instead of just Star Wars to go with a space theme podcast today. Um, So I'm going to be. I don't know what I was going to say there. Um, Broadcasting live from the International Space Station, right? Yes, there yeah, we go. That. We'll go mean, with that. Yeah, ad libs. I mean, if we um, wanted to be edgy, we could broadcast from the rocket, flying helplessly <laughs> around the planet. Uh, I I feel like I, unfortunately, like I guess uh, hopefully our audience is large enough that someone will have the context for that. But <laughs> you know what? We'll I just will guess we'll just leave it out there. <laughs> I mean, the context is going to make itself known sometime over this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. Hey, so this is the Small Constellation Podcast. I am your host, Peaches Brittany. Uh, so, Space. The final frontier where no one can hear you scream. <laughs> um, So, there are a lot of games. I was kind of trying to think of, you know, just some games in general that uh use space as part of their game you know either either the traversal through space or um you know just games like destiny for instance just that's an easy one where you actually you know most of the game takes place on non-earth-like planets and you know it it kind of dawned on me a little bit that there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences and a lot of not real, you know, mechanics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think I kind of see what you're hinting at, where it's kind of like space is one of those settings that's very much just treated as kind of like, like some games just use it as sort of a generic backdrop where it's almost like an alternate like fantasy setting in that none of the real laws of physics kind of apply and it's just right. sort of like uh, it's just basically a, a cheap and easy way of incorporating like aliens and wacky like futuristic and planetary architectures mm-hmm. into your game and um, and then there are other games that take a very serious approach to it and actually try and, I don't know, teach you stuff about physics and thermodynamics and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So, And then uh, there's Warhammer 40k. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which does all of those things simultaneously, <laughs> somehow. I, I kind of think Warhammer is the only one that fully understands the vastness of space it's like we need 
actual galactic scale things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scale, like sense of scale is something that, that very few games, even like, I mean, I've got like a ton of examples I could start rattling off as far as like games set in space, but honestly, even some of those that I love the most, um, you know, games like Mass Effect and Outer Wilds, and Outer Wilds does this a little bit, but uh, it still is on a very small scale. There are very few games that deal with uh, phenomena that span, you know, multiple galaxies and things like that. Or, I mean, even just a single, you know, something deal with something the size of a solar system, a single solar system. And um, yeah, it's usually it's still as much more localized. And I think a big part of that is because, you know, these games are made by humans for other humans to <laughs> understand through stories. So it kind of, you know, I guess we stick with what we know a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah I, you know, there are games, I don't know, like I was talking to you guys earlier kind of about this and I was, I was doing a little bit of research just so I could actually specifically say the things that I was thinking. And Um, do you guys know what the Kelvin scale is of temperature? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tyler. Yep. You know okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so if I were to tell you what 91, uh, no, wait, let's see. Negative 273 is absolute zero, right? On Kelvin. Is yeah. That right? 273 point. One five. So okay, so I guess I guess let me let me ask this a second. So ninety one well, to one hundred and twelve Kelvin. That's pretty that, cold. That's cold, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um. Though my favorite thing is you can technically have negative Kelvin, but it's a weird state where order becomes more, or matter becomes more ordered. So it in any system it imparts energy outwards instead of it doesn't matter how what you bring something oh. in contact with negative kelvin it will increase the energy of something yeah else. i was gonna say i thought absolute zero for kelvin was zero or maybe maybe yeah i had that backwards zero yeah. kelvin is negative 273 celsius yeah, right? right okay Okay. So zero Kelvins where all motion stops, but right. you can have a negative yeah. Kelvin where the motion is no longer random, it is ordered. Huh. So what so you're saying is if I get my house to negative Kelvin, it'll clean itself? <laughs> if you get your house to negative Kelvin, it will burn everything around it. And then be you get clean. your house to <laughs> you get your house to negative Kelvin. It'll be operating under whatever the hell logic they're using in Tenet that doesn't make any damn sense. Um, <laughs> if you make your night. house uh, in negative Kelvin um, and then wrap yourself around with a heat and blanket and turn it on high, uh, that'll be my house every night. <laughs> Um, no, okay, so the reason we're talking about Kelvin, let's move on, because this is technical well, jargon well, no again, one came here for. This? <laughs> um, 91 Kelvin, I just looked it up, is negative 295 degrees approximately Fahrenheit. So that's very cold. Like, for us, that's very cold. And I... Okay, so Sloane cannot have her helmet off on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not... I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that because uh, yeah. space is colder than that. So I wasn't sure where <laughs> where you were at. That was the temperature. Like, like it is literally raining methane. She's in a building. She's a she's, she's a guardian. Gaping she's hole in this. You literally <laughs> jump into the hole to see her. So, so she's, it's, it's been terraformed. I feel like we're revealing no, it hasn't. a new. Not if it cannot. You could not call it terraformed if it's still raining methane. 
because space magic. Well, see, I was just gonna say, I feel like we're we're further revealing like the burden that the traveler is under constantly. <laughs> like, like the secret is everybody's actually dying constantly all the time, and the traveler is just like holding them together as they're like disintegrating constantly. <laughs> like, the real just... reason Bungie vaulted Titan because we were all dying. <laughs> It's too damn cold here. <laughs> they need some Go home. blankets. <laughs> oh boy! Funnily but no, I mean to... there are there are uh, okay. So just I think I don't think I quite ninety one Kelvin is the is the low point of is ninety one to one hundred nineteen Kelvin is the liquid the melting point. Yeah, the well, yeah, the melting point for methane. <laughs> So you have liquid methane around negative two, negative three hundred Fahrenheit or so. So uh, on in Destiny on Titan, there's a guardian that you talk to that's just never has her helmet on ever and just hanging out, getting rained on, doesn't care. But there, there are a lot of. I mean, there are other games like that too you don't know maybe she just came back from mercury and just needed a cold shower (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh you know it's it's just a good thing that it's that cold because you know methane liquid methane doesn't burn and you're you know you're going around throwing grenades and hitting metal objects with bullets causing (laughs) sparks yeah we're pretty reckless as guardians that actually liquid methane probably kind of safe so compared to everything else in in the destiny universe (laughs) see i feel like we've just we've now perfectly illustrated for our audience why it is that no one should ever attempt to make a game that utilizes all aspects of real world physics and it's like (laughs) if you're if you're trying to incorporate like conflicts like fighting aliens and shit like you just well, it's and, i don't know it'd be interesting but so none of the games the, the uh safety try the diamond the safety diamond it only has a two for the health hazard which means it's a mild skin irritant nerd <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a mild skin irritant at negative 300 degrees fahrenheit <laughs> So mildly, if all of our, if mildly all of our burn stuff, your no. fingers right off. So if all of our weapons don't, you know, ignite methane, does that mean they're um, methane and methane accessories? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but there are a lot of games that that you know take place on other planets or whatever, and they don't care. They they literally, there's no difference with gravity, and I think that's kind of a cop-out, to be honest. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, a game like Destiny, you just... You know, you want the... It's space magic. Well, yeah, you want the gameplay to kind of feel like you're actually getting better at it, and so, like, going to different planets and stuff would be kind of difficult to get used to the jumps and stuff, but that'd still be kind of cool to... You know... To, to have that as a mechanic, you know, on, right. on on some games, especially a game like No Man's Sky, that's where that would work real well if you change right. mechanics on different planets. So funny enough, Titan's gravity isn't much different than the moon's. Is that from personal experience, Nick? <laughs> uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> I'm here to, to declare intergalactic war on Nick. Well, now <laughs> NASA is going to SWAT both of you. <clears throat> you've got to you've got to build six bases on his territory. Um, you know, and and I'm reading a well, reading is a soft. Uh, I can't read, um, <laughs> so I'm listening to an audio book um, that. <clears throat> Um, will remain unnamed unless the um, uh, the author gives me twenty five percent of his royalties. Yeah, no, it's, indefinitely. Um, it's That's only made, It's only unnamed because I couldn't remember what the title was. 
Um, it's by <laughs> it's by R.C. Bray. It's called Expeditionary Force. And there's like seven or eight books in the series. Um, hey, if anybody knows the author, tell him to sponsor us. Um, so it's kind of a military style book. I know this is a lot about video games, right? Um, where, I mean, you follow a guy in the military. And basically, um, his name's uh, Joe Bishop. And you follow Joe as, you know, aliens come and attack Earth. Uh, and it's a very now book. You know, it has a lot of cultural references that we would react the same way now if we heard one as Joe does. So, like... Um, you know, he talks about, you know, gangsters and like the mafia, you know, and he, um, you know, things like that. Like there, there are a couple of references of that, uh, recently. And they talk about how, wow, that was really old. You know, you're through, that's a real throwback. But they, they, they also talk about things like, you know, more pop culture. I'm having troubles with, uh, remembering exactly one, a good example, but it's, it feels, like the books have just come out um, and I don't care to look it up. So I have no idea, but mm-hmm. um, you know, so aliens come, they attack earth and other aliens come and they defend earth. So they get, you know, they, they shoo away the first set of aliens. And so the, the world, the other earth humans think that the second, alien species are allies that have come to sort of, you know, protect us. Um, And we find out that maybe they're not who they think they are, you know, who we think they are. Um, And so, you know, Joe Bishop kind of goes on a journey to try to learn the truth about our supposed allies. Um, And I, I really like it. You know, there are there are some elements to it that I've been listening to, and I go, you know, that's a very, very common theme amongst many a space exploration universe. You know, like wormholes and the speed of light being, you know, child's play and, you know, I mean all these things humans are always at the butt of the story. Like that's kind of an interesting thought, like maybe not in like star Trek necessarily, but in, in, in many of the, you know, stories that you listen to, you know, the, the common theme of, you know, we're not eligible because we're not advanced enough to join you know, we, we don't know that there are other aliens out there because they haven't made contact contact with us yet because we're still busy killing each other, you know, things like that. Um, or, you know, we can't, you know, um, I was trying to think of something stupid and I can't think of anything stupid, but, you know, we just haven't progressed uh, in, intellectually yet to be, to join outer space exploration yeah i was just i was just gonna say i feel like there's a famous quote i wish i could remember who who supposedly said this but they said the the surest proof that intelligent life exists elsewhere in the universe is that none of it has tried to contact us (laughs) (laughs) i was like yeah that that almost kind of makes sense like you know i i think and then, yeah, you were you were hinting at it earlier. Just the the sheer the vastness of space is just it always like every time blows my mm-hmm. mind when I sit down and think about it. And it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, is there something else out there? I I think so. Yeah, I do. I think that there's any chance that we'll ever come into contact with it. Like I I can't answer that question, but it's. Uh, well, you know, the thing that baffles my mind <clears throat> is that, you know, it, at least in terms of, you know, if we're operating within light speed or, you know, light, light years and all that sort of thing, that 
the light leaving Earth. I mean, obviously, so we've got sensors, we've got, you know, you know, probes or uh, telescopes or, you know, whatever, satellites, whatever you want to call it, that have sort of, you know, looked at other planets within our solar system and these sorts of things. And, you know, we've found planets that, you know, are possibly suitable for life or might have water or, you know, I mean, these sorts of things. But, you know, and our knowledge of the universe is slowly expanding. I mean, very slowly. But the idea that there could be someone or, you know, a group of intellectual beings on a planet far enough away that if they were to look at Earth, they would still see dinosaurs because the light that's traveling from Earth is that old. Correct. Like, that thought is mind-boggling to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole, I mean, just concept of, yeah, relativity and... (laughs) Time, the in, yeah, inner interconnectedness of time and what we can only see light, space like thirteen billion light years. There might be more universe outside of that, but just based off of how much time the universe has been around, uh, that's like hasn't reached us. Yeah, that's the only that's the max distance that could have come here. So there could be more. It's just too far away to know yet mm-hmm. I, I feel like what we're really getting at here is that there's still very much unexplored territory within video game plots regarding space and uh well no screw that at the end of the day it's all about shooting aliens so. <laughs> <laughs> well that's there's all one... that humans are good for yeah. i did see one um one of the destiny um employees from bungie said like you know i am a little nervous that if we ever do come in contact with aliens that they're gonna not be very happy that we fantasize about killing them all the time in our media (laughs) well you know they usually start it (laughs) (laughs) that's also true they usually come to us and start killing us um but no i mean you know i mean i think i do think that that goes back to uncanny valley uh, as well as, you know, he, humans have a natural tendency to kill things they don't understand. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. if they don't things they don't like <laughs> that, too. But, you know, yeah. they they destroy the unknown out of fear or just, you know, self-preservation yeah natural instinct is to you're not me i don't know who you are or what you are therefore you need to not be (laughs) and that's i mean that's just very apparent with just look at the look at the news you know and everything that's been going on lately and i mean just any time i mean any any media source will tell you that I think that's honestly I think that's a big part of why I like games that are set in uh like science fiction universes and shows that are similarly uh set. So it's like, you know, take a, something like Star Trek for example where it it's kind of just like I mean obviously things aren't always great and it still deals with a lot of those those tensions between different uh races from different planets and things Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's kind of assuming that hey let's let's just assume that we've kind of gotten over some of those initial hurdles we've created kind of this somewhat utopian society that's been able to you know progress humanity to a point where it's able to work on you know a similar stage to these other alien races and like it's it's I, I don't know. In a way, I think that's kind of the escapist nature of of science fiction. Like it's it's fun sometimes to think about that. Like, hey, what if we? It's like, what if you know everybody wasn't like just massive dicks right off the bat? <laughs> we got this dialogue going and kind of I, I don't know. It just it opens up all new storytelling possibilities, and I think that's that's part of mm-hmm. maybe a big part of why science fiction is so enduring. But. You know, and I think maybe that's kind of why I liked the next generation so well, 
mm-hmm. um, or yeah, that's yeah, the next generation. Um, yeah, I mean, out of out of all of the Star Treks, it's definitely very much like you know some of the you know Picard obviously represents like almost pure human like goodness in a sense, like he's almost right. infallible on that show. So they're kind well, of like. Very extreme examples of the best that humanity could strive for. You know, I mean, if you've seen that show, you know, specifically, like, you know, um, Commander Riker, right? He's like what any American, well, I don't, I I, I guess what, you know, the, the, I could maybe say American, I think, I think they were depicting that he was American, but um, you know, what any human might do in the situation, you know, what any normal human might do, you know. Right. Um, He's a little bit more flawed, a little bit more of that kind of right. s- every man like self insert character. Right. And yeah, then and they do have and some character. Picard is like, no, you need to think about it this way. You yeah. know, you need to be able to see it from a broader perspective and know your mission and, you know, start with that, you know, and and instead of self-preservation do life preservation just you know all life and you know just the idea of that storyline is just so refreshingly different from anything that you know in in current media you know you're not out there trying to kill bad guys you're out there trying to make new friends yeah solve problems essentially yes i mean it's kind of I mean, again, it's one of the big things. I've always loved Star Trek, and as I've gotten older, I just appreciate it more and more because it is kind of that, yeah, it's less about conflict, at least of, like, a military nature. Not that it doesn't include that as well as kind of a part of existence, but it's kind of like, you know, there's just, it's broader than that. Like, things don't often boil down to simplistic answers. It's kind of like, yeah, you're out there in the, the wide world of science fiction solving all these problems and 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 a lot of games do that pretty well too um i mean there are definitely like that was one of the things that i loved so much about the outer wilds is that it was never it was never just a plain black and white like simple conflict like the whole time through you were just trying to solve problems figure out what was going on in within the backdrop of a science fiction setting within a tiny solar system that did a little bit like that game actually did try and mimic some of the the real ish systems of a functioning solar system and and that was why it was so refreshing and different to me like totally a different gameplay loop than what you might be used to um, in a video game so what and then of course you got Mass Effect, which is I was gonna say, kill, kill, kill some Mass aliens now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh, Mass Effect is is Evans drinking game. Nah, I don't bring it up that much. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it way more than Evan. <laughs> so I mean, I'm just over here like saying Witcher, Mass Effect, and drinking myself into an early grave. So. <laughs> Yes, but no. If we if we have to talk about space games, we have to talk about Mass Effect. Um, does 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 Borderlands take up take place in space or like? We're talking about space? Mass Effect, Brandon, not Borderlands. <laughs> no, I just uh, whenever, whenever, I like say, does... whenever we talk about Mass Effect for a little while, having never played either one of them, I think about I think Borderlands. Uh, it, it yeah, like, it I is. Just Borderlands get, is yeah, a different galaxy. Having never played either one of them, and so I was just curious, just to you know prevent evan from talking <laughs> <laughs> he's suppressing he his that. voice do what you're suppressing his voice wow please evan talk about border i mean <laughs> <laughs> i actually do want to play borderlands now it's been a while um but no i mean yeah mass- i mean if you want like you know talking about how you know a lot of games just always, you know, make the worlds as Earth-like as possible. Mass Effect actually kind of breaks that. Like, I think, I want to say I remember, like, there are worlds, at least in Mass Effect 1, where, like, the gravity is heavier, so you kind of, or the atmosphere is poisonous. Like, there's reasons, like, you can be out and exploring, but you can only explore for a certain amount of time before your armor gives up and you die, so you have to go back to the ship. Um, 
And then, you know, in Mass Effect Andromeda, there's like terraforming and all this other stuff that they bring up. Um, but yeah, that, that game kind of gives you a little bit of everything. Like you have to go, you know, like, you know, someone in passing conversation mentions, oh, so-and-so was going to go to Alpha Centauri to find this relic. And then they got attacked by space pirates. So that's something to do. And then the main mission is sending you somewhere else. And you also have to, you know, stop and look for resources. Um, the uh, <laughs> the joke with Mass Effect 2 is that you'll spend most of the game probing planets. <laughs> True. Have fun making probing jokes. We've all made them. <laughs> um, you know, that mechanic is very similar to uh, No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. I... Yeah, I... I want to try to play. I want to play that again. Did does Jared? Do you have that? Nope. I've got it. I yeah, I knew you did. It, you I and I should play it, it sometime. I want to get yeah. back into it, and and you know, I've heard that there. I want to give another shot. I want to give another try. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it another shot. I I will admit I haven't. Like I I got it. I played it enough to say okay, it's in a much better place than it was on launch for sure. Um, but then I I haven't played it a whole lot more since yeah the last thing i heard they had just come up with come out with a editor a an edit an update where you can start you can start a game together yes yeah and i can confirm that yeah the multiplayer like i even in vr uh, a buddy and i got in and we were playing in vr co-op and like building a base and flying around and all of that stuff and that was that was pretty cool and see and building at, stuff is like, new too yeah for sure and and that was that was pretty trippy. Like again, the I I mean I'm I'm sure all of that functionality works just fine outside of VR as well. But yeah, it was definitely a new experience, like building a base in VR. Like that was pretty trippy. Just kind of I was like, like it gives you a much better sense of that scale that we were kind of talking about. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the big things that VR opens up is it's just it's kind of mind-boggling you know you'll be walking around and like when you build a base in vr you're actually like you know you're thinking about oh shit i need to raise the ceilings here so it doesn't feel claustrophobic and you know and then you step out and you're just on this massive planet and like there's you know all of the plants the flora and the fauna like everything around you just it seems so much bigger so much more present Mm. um that's true of a lot of vr games that i've played but, but yeah, it, it makes space much more intimidating, <laughs> which which is as it should be. <laughs> like, space is scary. You know, I think you could argue that Kingdom Hearts actually has sort of a space mechanism to it as well. So yes, let's drink. Um, oh God. <laughs> but uh, you know, they they they. I think they try to keep the the science to a minimum um, <laughs> and they don't really explain it very well. We visit worlds. We don't visit planets. We visit worlds. Um, yeah, it's more and, like visiting a reality instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but we travel through for lack of better. I mean, if the tune world in Yu-Gi-Oh met like space. Like that's <laughs> what you would travel through to get from planet to planet in Kingdom Hearts. You have this gummy ship. They literally call it a gummy ship. And you shoot other ships, you know, and they're trying to kill you or, you know, bring your life down to zero or whatever and then you know, you just transport back to the previous world you were on. Um, you know, cuz that's uh, realistic. But you know, um, you're just in a ship flying around, kind of Galaga style, sort of. I mean, sort of. But I just wanted to be able to throw Kingdom Hearts in there because, you know, we're talking about space. And you know. <laughs> Well, on that note, I'm going to wrestle it back and whip it back over to Mass Effect real quick. Just because that, that one, again, will be really topical because the Legendary Edition is coming out, like, in a week or something like that which is basically all three of the games packaged together um, with some visual enhancements and things like that. Um, but anyway, I was, I was pulling back to that just to kind of like reiterate on Evan's point. 
um, about like how Mass Effect One. I feel like, yeah, and you may agree or disagree with this, Evan, but I feel like Mass Effect One was the only one that kind of, I feel like, even tried to kind of capture that exploration element of space, like you know, with with you know, getting out in the Mako, and I mean, I guess the others had some vehicle missions, but like getting out in the bouncy ass Mako and like you know, wumping your way around. Worst suspension in the galaxy. Yeah, which it's it's pretty funny. They spent a, like a lot of the a lot of the trailers for the legendary edition are talking about how they tweaked the Mako physics and stuff. I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of liked the crazy low <laughs> gravity because that's the thing. It made you feel like you were on a planet that had lower than Earth gravity mm-hmm. and little things like that. And yeah, okay, it was it was kind of silly, and I get why they made the changes, but and I don't I don't begrudge any like all of the changes that they're making for the legendary edition look great. Um, yes. At least from a gameplay perspective, but but it is true that I think the series over time just moved further and further away from kind of that that weird almost element of a little bit of hard sci-fi thrown in there to being much more just traditional like sci-fantasy kind of stuff, which I didn't have a problem with at all. I still yeah. love the set. Well, I think the the story of Mass Effect One versus like Mass Effect Three lends itself to much lends itself to exploration a lot more um, because you're still kind of hunting around for clues and things and trying to figure out what's going on Um, and even in mass effect 2 when you have a better idea of what's going on there's still um, you know lots to be done in terms of exploration but in mass effect 3 it's you know we're on a time clock the reapers are coming we will all die if you don't get this done which i actually i really like that like how they because I feel, at least when it comes with like aliens and like always attacking Earth, like there, very few stories ever actually have a reason as to why, like mm-hmm. Earth is the epicenter. Whereas Mass Effect's like, oh yeah, we'll we'll just give you a reason, and it fits perfectly in the story without breaking it. Like the right. MCU, where nearly all of the Infinity Stones are just chilling out on Earth at all times, <laughs> <laughs> or being brought to Earth at certain points or another. <laughs> Yeah. Even though yeah, that's... two of those are Asgard's fault because they're very reckless with their valuables. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a very good that's a very good point about the world building of Mass Effect and how they made it convincing and believable that like while the story wasn't it wasn't really focused on Earth necessarily, they did give you a very good reason as to why like there was such a focus placed on this kind of soul centric mm-hmm civilization or at least within the vicinity of the soul system which is just yeah it's like there was nothing inherently important about humans humans made themselves important in the galaxy right yeah that exactly that's a good point that's a good way of putting it like it's kind of like yeah we were just you know one sort of brash species that got to the point yeah, like, that we were at. Like, I think and we're so. like the last sentient species to make it to space, and the Turians yeah. and the Sari are like, oh, we've been doing this for forever. You're late, bro. Yeah, yeah, I liked that touch. That was nice. Um, I, You know, there's another game I, I did want to bring up, too. Has, has anybody else here played Subnautica before? Uh, no, no, I just saw I the just trailer for the new one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in for a treat, Nick, because that's so it's it's interesting because it's it's a game about exploring the ocean on an alien planet, which is kind of a double whammy in that like but it just like for me what the game did is it really did serve to highlight just how bizarre and alien our own ocean can be. Um, because, you know, the more I learn about, like, I, like, I don't know about you guys, but I've been seeing more and more, like, these crazy videos all the time of, like, uh, biologists are finding all these deep sea creatures that just are bonkers, weird. We know more about the surface of the moon than we know about the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and that seems seems to hold so true because, like I said, they're I'm I'm ceaselessly amazed by all these crazy animals that they're finding, uh, and it's just like it's like I couldn't even you know they they basically are aliens, and you look and you you play a game like Subnautica, and yeah, they dial it up to eleven a little bit with its biodiversity and just how like 
jam-packed all of these crazy species are within the space that you're exploring but like it's still it's kind of like i'll see something in that game and be like yeah i mean that's believable i could believe that something like that pretty much exists on earth mm-hmm. already like and that's how insane like the deep sea is like uh, and it just i love it like to uh so. to quote a famous jeff uh what's his name role uh life uh finds a way <laughs> uh life may find a way but let's just hope it's not into my sleeping bag uh with a bunch of tentacle suckers or any creepy <laughs> shit like that <laughs> miss me with that i'm sure there's a market for that though <laughs> oh. on the internet um, I th- yeah I, probably you could probably search it right now let's not <laughs> <laughs> Bringing you such highbrow entertainment at small consolation. <laughs> Tentacle porn. <laughs> you said the quiet um, part out loud, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, explaining all the subtext as regular text. <laughs> hey, sometimes the subtext has to come up for air. <laughs> Gotta refill so, those tanks completely unrelated to anything else that we've been talking about but i have to imagine that anyone from the star wars universe if they came to earth they would have their minds blown like this planet has more than one biome (laughs) yes good point you mean your whole planet isn't covered in ice and snow no (laughs) or or just a sand planet or a a forest planet (laughs) I mean, wow. we do have other planets in the solar system that are largely one ecosystem, but yes, Earth is very much not that. That's a really good point, and especially for the fact that so many of these planets are life-sustaining, it makes, like, zero sense that they would be all <laughs> one biome. Like, I, I, I'm i kind of shocked that I haven't thought about this in depth before, but it's like, I kind of now I just kind of want to visit the jungles of Tatooine, like... Oh, speaking um, of that, the... there's a new um, show on Disney Plus that explores the biomes of Star Wars. I saw that. I almost watched that on Star Wars Day until I saw that the Bad Batch had dropped. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another game that uh, I think does do a really good job of, you know, bringing in all of those uh, like spacely mechanics is Jared's favorite game. Um, Minecraft. Uh, so there is a um, mod that you can download. Um, they call it Galacticraft. And the main goal of this particular game is to get to space. Um, and you basically collect resources um, from you know the world and you build, you know, machines and all this kind of stuff your goal is to build a rocket and propel yourself to the moon for instance um you uh, i don't remember exactly there are a couple of different like mod packs that you can get and so one of them that i played was you could actually build you could build a spaceship or like a space station you know that orbited earth um, you could go to Mars and Saturn and these kinds of things, but and you could build bases there, but you had to bring along with you, um, like terraforming devices so that you could live, because you could you could obviously you know you'd have to build a suit and you'd have to bring you know like an oxygen tank or like an air tank with you so that you could breathe, but you could also create you know terraforming things kind of like the Martian. You know, where he had like that little area where he could grow things and whatnot. And so you could, you know, create sort of like a bubble of air and you can expand the bubble as you, you know, progress. Um, the, uh, you know, the gravity was different. So you would jump higher or not as high. Um, you know, those sorts of things. So it was, it did a really good job of all of that. And you said that all of that was just a mod for Minecraft? Yeah. Have you ever heard of a game, if you enjoy that, uh, you might take a look. There's a game called Astroneer, 
that really reminds like that's it's a very similar premise to that i mean my first thought is it's a lot like minecraft just a very different visual style um hmm. but uh, that reminds me did space engineer ever come out of early I, development? i think so i think it's like they've continued to update it um kind of periodically but yeah i believe it's fully released Speaking of space, uh, is anybody getting Returnal? Didn't that come out? Yeah. Did, and I, I want to try it. I'll, I'll oh. probably pick it up later. But, uh, oh, you know what we should do? We should make Brandon play Dead Space. <laughs> that oh boy. will not happen. <laughs> after, if after... we start making content like that, then, then I will we... play any scary game on camera for our listeners <laughs> and then they would be viewers at that point if Jared agrees to play Minecraft. <laughs> I mean what about what about Prey? That's like a good halfway yeah. point into the space. Say, if it's con- if it's considered a scary or you know and it has like jump scare or or creepy elements to it. Uh, yeah, Prey definitely then... has creepy elements to it. There's yeah, there's no So Prey is like is like a Cthulhu mythos monsters if they could transform into any day objects. Right. They're like mimics. <laughs> they call them mimics. And they basically, they're like, yeah. these... you know what game we need to get into? Like the five of us and maybe like James or something. I'm not sure how many players. It might be a five player game. So it'd be the best for, it'd be really great for us. We should get into Evolve. I think that's dead. I, yeah. Like dead yeah, dead? I I was gonna say yeah. I think they've actually really? pretty much like at least if you're if you're mainly interested in it for the multiplayer aspect, which is I I don't even know if they have much of a single player content. I don't I didn't think they did. I thought it was yeah, only. I, I want to say it's pretty it's, much just yeah. been abandoned. It is point. a multiplayer game. I kind of I do believe it's been abandoned. Interesting. So, I did not uh, I did not know that. Fun trivia point, but the lead writer for that game is now an independent D D creator oh hmm. uh matt coville he does he has a pretty successful youtube channel and he had like one of the highest uh earning kickstarters for self-published books interesting yep it was a D supplement book no i don't know if you all caught it but i know i heard jared's ears perk up when you said kickstarter <laughs> i did just back a board game this i week. mean if you just look in his direction you probably saw his ears perk up too not the only thing that perked up <laughs> <laughs> he, he had one of those mints <laughs> <laughs> that commercial is going to haunt my nightmares now <laughs> I, I think that's worse than the skittle Pox one. The uh the weird sexual Skittles commercial. Uh yeah, where Skittles are an S T D and you just pick them oh. up. Oh, not that one. There's like another one. Oh, there I didn't know there was another one. It's older. Yeah. I think all the Skittles commercials are creepy. They when did they start TBH that, like trend? It was like some point in the mid 2000s i feel like where they were just like you know what from now on we're going the full like non sequitur just like insane route with all of our ads like so i think the yogurt skittle is the creepiest of all of the commercials Um, so segueing back into the podcast (laughs) but also still talking about commercials sure sure i think that if an alien species were to come to earth and just try to interact with us they would see our interactions just in general just the way just our day-to-day lives just how we you know they would they would look at us the same way we look at perfume commercials <laughs> like, like what the fuck what is just going on? <laughs> I, I don't understand I don't what yeah, I, actually now that you bring that up Brandon. i think the only honest space video game is the ratchet and clank series there are no humans in that series every other space game 
that I can think of. Actually, I'll take that back. Kerbal Space Program doesn't have humans. But otherwise, there is a human stand-in in basically every other space game. Yeah, I'm not going to lie now. I can't stop thinking about how if we were existing in all these sci-fi realms, yeah, like literally every alien would just be like, why do they Why do they keep flipping their hair and, and taking off <laughs> their shirts? And like... <laughs> so yeah i that's i've never looked at it that way but you're you're totally right brandon i think that's how it would shake out well and you know i think it's really interesting too to think that like i i just really think that there is a huge area of unexplored maybe i should start writing some of this down and not say it <laughs> but like you know okay so so I may or may, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot of lore about Superman. Is Superman, does Superman have superpowers on um, uh, Krypton? Uh, they no. Had a, they had a red sun. So the idea that he comes to Earth and all of a sudden kind of has superpowers because of the sun we have, like, you know, and then, and then think about like, you know, for instance, so Star Trek, um, you oh, know, Brandon, uh, what? So there is a comic book where Superman and Muhammad Ali go to somewhere. There isn't a yellow sun to have a boxing match. Uh huh. And Muhammad Ali beats the crap out of Superman. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm like, that's, the, you know, the idea is that humans are never special. And, and I mean, there, there's there's these human stand-ins, but they're never special. Like, think of like Men in Black. Like, it doesn't really take place in space, but it's got aliens, right? And so, like, all of these aliens, you know, some of them are shapeshifters, or you know, I mean, like they have like superpowers, sort of, or they're some sort of special being. Right. And. I mean, even Superman, I mean, he's an alien, you know, I mean, he's right. you know, like, it's, it's writers like, trying to make them alien to us. Like, yeah, right. But the idea of us being alien, you know, mm. so what that movie area 51, that, that, uh, animated movie, I think it's called, I think it's called area 51. Maybe uh, not. I think I know what you're talking about. Planet, I'm... planet. I don't know, but it's where that, that astronaut goes to a, basically it's the exact same as earth it's just they're all aliens i don't remember what that is but... i want to say it is actually planet 51 i have no idea what you're planet 51 yeah, maybe yeah, not yeah. area 51 that sounds, but yeah that planet 51 right. but like like the idea where the human is sort of the invader <laughs> even if it's like you know not on purpose or you know they come in peace like that's not hardly explored at all I mean, I'm already getting some wonderful ideas from this. It's like, wow, look at the power of that crazy human. He ingests this strange liquid and then vomits everywhere. Like, project, <laughs> like what is this strange acid that comes out of his stomach? Yeah. Oh, God. Yep. Well, that's bombs. There is, there is John Carter of Mars where he has uh, – he can do things that the Martians can't because – Mars gravity is weaker than ours, so he can like jump football fields like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think he's also like stronger and faster or something else like that. Who is this? Uh, the movie John, John Carter. And I think it's a book, like an old sci fi pulp series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super old sci fi pulp series, as in John Carter was a lieutenant from the Confederate Army. Yeah, and got like sucked into space. Wow, yeah, he appeared in a 1912 magazine serial. That's crazy. I didn't realize, yeah, John Carter of Mars was that old. Yeah, that's the problem with Disney, like, copywriting anything in public domain. Hmm. Did they copyright that one? Well, they made a movie, so I think they have the copyright for it now. But they can't. Can you copyright something that's already in the public domain? Like, can you pull it out? Well, they 
Disney can because that's what they built all of their well, yeah, their with, media on with their IP. But I don't think they can well, what, buy someone else's. All like all of Disney's IP, it was from the public domain, from the Grimm's brothers. Well, what, what I'm from? Oh wait, but yeah, so they're they can borrow those ideas, but they can't like own them. Like anyone can make a Cinderella movie because that story is not of years old. Not quite because anything because copyright law in the United States is based off of Disney lobbyists. If they, if you try to make a Cinderella movie, Disney lawyers are going to crack down on you hard. And uh, the other thing I was going to say is even with like the John Carter Mars thing, like I, I have no idea if this is the way this works or not, but like it would kind of make sense if they, early on if disney acquired like if they acquired the rights to it before it became public domain like way back in the day no everything disney has copyrighted is after it was in the public domain like uh the rock version of hercules which i haven't seen is is basically the only other version of hercules that isn't disney owned since the 90s i was gonna say what about that really shitty kevin sorbo show (laughs) it was okay for the time (laughs) it gave us xena (laughs) yeah (laughs) true but anyway space stuff yeah but yeah i mean that's uh that's an interesting like like you were saying brandon like i i think there are probably obviously there are authors that have explored that idea before but yeah it's definitely an under i would say it's it's not something you see very commonly that humans are seen as the really bizarre alien like it's they're they're very often you know they're the protagonists that we relate to and they have all of the capabilities that we're used to as a human but but in reality we could be extremely powerful compared to other alien mm-hmm. races and that's something that's yeah it just seems much you know in in you know i mean in america in general and in just in the world you know everybody wants to be the best like you you, you know you you go to any sports stadium and you could go to the Browns stadium and you put you pan a camera into the Browns fans. And what are they going to do? They're going to hold up foam fingers. They're going to hold up their index fingers. You know, they're going to be crazy. They, they, <laughs> they're going to they, hold up their they middle think their fingers. Team is number one. They think that they're the best. Like everyone wants to be part of something that is great. And or the best at something like they want to be, you know, a part of some, you know, something like that. And so the idea just in general that no one has really explored the idea that we're the best in the universe, like maybe not the best, like the best, but like well off, you know, all of these are like, you know, aliens come to us and we just weren't prepared. Like why can't aliens come to us and we've, overprepared you know we've we're we're more prepared than they are kind of thing you know that happened in mass effect actually it's not in the games but it's part of the lore of the of the world is that when humans first discovered mass technology they i think we encountered the turians first and the turians were like we don't like you i think they started i think it's called the contact yeah yep exactly And, and that's actually i kind of wish rather than whatever it is that they're doing with Mass Effect 5 whenever that comes out, I wish they'd just gone and done a prequel that was the Contact War period or shortly thereafter. So, like, really fresh kind of, you know, humans having encountered Turians, like, maybe just right after the war, the initial, those initial conflicts. Like, that, to me, is, like, ripe territory for a new Mass Effect game, but... Yeah, uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that like talking about how like you know humans are kind of always like the like the special ones. This isn't really a trope in science fiction. It's more of a trope from fantasy, or especially urban fantasy. Um, but you know, you have like 
all these mythical creatures like vampires and werewolves and wizards and you know gods and whatever and in most urban fantasy it's 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 kind of a trope that they all just kind of leave the human world alone and then inevitably someone will ask like you know why why haven't y'all like invaded the humans like you you can like you can you know you have super strength you can transform into a monster like why haven't you wiped them all out and the answer is usually something along the lines of yes we can do all these special things but there are a lot of you humans and (laughs) when presented with a big enough challenge you will work together in ways that have never been seen before to beat a problem into submission I, I kind of like that. Uh, that's a, I think that's even though it's from a different genre, it's very fitting mm-hmm. in science fiction with like why humans like are the center of the story. I kind of like Invader Zim's approach, where the galactic conquerors are just heading in a direction, and they send Zim to Earth because it is in the direction they are not going, and they're just trying to get rid of him. Hmm. <laughs> so Jared, hit us with the socials. uh facebook small constellation podcast twitter at small con pod youtube small constellation gaming okay um so uh i went down a rabbit hole uh so the outro is um name anything on the top 10 according to cnet what are the top ten animals that kill the most humans? Hippos. Jellyfish. Cows. Ooh, None cow. of those are on that cows. particular list. I think Hippos are on the BBC okay. list. But moose. No. Ants. Dog? Dogs. Dogs are number four. Hmm. Dogs are on there. Jeez. Ants. Answer no. Ants. Um, yeah, Ants. Uh, Ants. The animals <laughs> may not necessarily be direct in the killing. They might <laughs> I think mosquito. Yeah, mosquitoes kill the most people worldwide. Yeah, right. Yep, that is number one across all three yeah. of these. That is Spiders. mosquitoes are number one. Deer. Oh, snakes. Nope. Are snakes on there? Snakes are number yeah. three. Crocodiles. No. Um, the fleas. Ticks. Yeah, or ticks. Um, Dinosaur fossil. No. T- uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Colonel Mustard okay, in the so dining room with the dinosaur fossil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys ready? I'll tell you the top ten. Sure. So mosquitoes is number one. Again, this is C- the, according to CNET. Um, they kill an average of a, or they kill a, they they kill about a million people a year. Uh, the the they transmit mosquito-borne diseases that kill about a million people a year. Number, is two, number two humans. What is number two humans? Number two Ow. is humans. Um, ha- if you only Asterisk. count homicides, uh, it's four hundred seventy-five thousand a year. Almost is almost bats half. on the list? <laughs> no, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it is now. Um, snakes are number three at fifty thousand. Dogs are twenty-five thousand. Tsetse flies at ten. Assassin Ooh. bugs ten, wow. and freshwater snails are at ten thousand. Oh. Uh, All of the those... assassin bugs are properly named <laughs> yeah all of those are because of the diseases they carry yeah um scorpions at 30 32 okay, that's fair um ascaris roundworms i was right i said worms <laughs> um and then uh we better tell john uh because number 10 is tapeworms huh. uh that's an inside joke <laughs> Just like a tapeworm. Ah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> hey, it's no joke anymore, Evan. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got evidence. The killers. Business Insider. The Business Insider has them slightly in different order. Maybe they just have, like, they say that dogs are thirty-five thousand, and that snakes are a hundred thousand. So I'm not really sure where they're all getting their information from. But the BBC News um, also lists crocodiles at a thousand per year and hippos at 500 per year i feel like i feel like coconuts are literally pretty close to hippos there like i i feel like i remember hearing that like coconuts falling on people's heads it like kills a a surprising number of people every year like (laughs) a non-zero yeah like not even like Possibly in the hundreds. I'm not sure on that. What? So I don't know if this is true anymore, but in a 
book I read, this was years ago, um, the author pointed out that the rate at which people go missing in the United States is equal or lines up perfectly with population decline in large herds of animals based on predation in Africa. And of course, it was like a fantasy book, so he kind of spun that into, oh, there are monsters that just, you know, randomly eat people. But that was just a really cool huh. fact. I'm not sure, but I do remember seeing Clean something about people talking about, like in the 50s, children would just randomly disappear from being abducted and murdered. And it was just kind of a, a shrug. Is Nick saying something? Because I can't hear it. Oh no, Evan can't hear me. That's... Alright, uh, well, <laughs> have a good night everybody. <laughs>